Welcome to the Venn Diagram, the show that explores the intersections of language, business, politics, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Michael Reed, Managing Editor of Multilingual Magazine, and I'm joined by the master of all of the technology behind this, Tucker Johnson. Thank oh. you, Tucker, as always, for making me look good. Yeah, well, it's easier to make you look good than make me look good, so thank you for being uh, an easy really subject. So well, welcome to episode two, Michael. Yep. We're doing this. I know, this right? is a thing now. This is a thing. It's an official thing. Right. Not just uh, flying by the seat of our pants. We've oh. got a whole chair. Well, 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 let's not go that far. <laughs> I'm still kind of flying by the seat of my pants here. All right. Fair enough. Fair but we've got a lot of agenda items today. Um, oh, mercy, don't we? Yeah, mercy, 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 don't we? Let's see if I can get to those here. So for those of you that don't know, the topics that we take from this podcast slash livecast, we are doing this live via the multilingual channel, which means if you're watching this live, then you can join us. You can join us in the chat, and all of your chat messages will be featured up here on screen. Um, please keep the comments respectful. We talk about very sensitive issues, very challenging geocultural and geopolitical issues, and we try to keep an open mind and facilitate conversation here. And with that having been said, let's dive right into it, Michael. We've got. Right. Why don't you introduce the agenda today? Let's just do this thing. So first on the agenda, of course, is China for I, that maybe seems like sort of a perennial issue in a lot of geopolitical things, but there is a particular or a few particular reasons for it. This time, uh, there's also some talk about COVID exclaves and enclaves and cross-border towns. It's really interesting how that works because it doesn't always line up neatly with uh, national borders, right? Because a lot of national borders were placed on top of older tribal or ethnic borders. And we're seeing sort of a revival of that in the COVID era. And then uh, hopefully we're going to have time to get to some of these news items, especially the attempt by a company to trademark the name Yoruba, which if you're not familiar, Yoruba is, a, is an ethnic grouping in Western Africa, large population in Nigeria. And uh, there's a, a brand that tried to trademark that name. So a, a brand that, and this is, I hope we have time to get into this because this is a brand that is, well, problematic. <laughs> For yes. lack of a better term. Yes. Um, I was reading a little bit about that. Where do we want to start? You want to go, get right into the China here? Let's just jump right in to China here. So you... China and not... China. <laughs> and there are probably people watching this going or listening saying, what, what are you talking about China? Ooh, what is Sena? Did you misspell? Yeah, yeah well, here is Sena. Yeah, exactly. Here's John yeah. Sena. Yeah, we didn't misspell like, you know, when we're talking about China, like S-I-N-A or S-I-N-O. No, we're yeah. talking about John Sena. Um, and I'm not able to do his trademark uh, wrestling uh, sort of gesture move. But yeah, so here's what happened. Uh, the newest movie in the Fast and Furious franchise came out. Fast and Furious 9, I believe it's called. Um, I, th there's so many. There's, there's so many. There's, there's so many. Yeah. So anyway, this is the ninth, perhaps the ninth thousand. Uh, and this, <laughs> so this movie came out, and one of the first places it's being shown is Taiwan. From my understanding, actually... The Fast and Furious franchise is incredibly popular in Taiwan and in China as well. So, uh, you know, John Cena was on his press junket. He's, you know, he's moved out of wrestling, I think maybe entirely, but at least partly. And he's, he's an actor now, right? And he was on his press junket and he was talking about the new movie. Now, Here's where the problem becomes because he was saying that China or I'm sorry, Taiwan was going to be one of the first markets to get the movie. Here's what he actually said. China or um, Taiwan 
Taiwan will be the first country to see the movie. Now. Yeah. Okay. So what's wrong with that, Michael? <laughs> right. It seems like a completely anodyne statement, right? Yes. Taiwan's going to be the first country. Okay, cool. Moving on. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Because if you're the People's Republic of China, in other words, what we call China, mainland China, right? Mm -hmm. Taiwan is not a country. It is absolutely not a country from that point of view. It is. It's never been recognized as a country. It's never been recognized. It's by a, anybody, a, right? A, no, no. By anybody. By, it's, it's a. Uh, well, other than uh, other than the Taiwanese, right? Like, yeah, other uh, other than the Taiwanese, and I think there has been some some international uh, recognition of it. And I mean, historically, that's been a pretty contentious thing as well. But from the point of view of of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, Taiwan is at best a rebel province. Um, mm -hmm. It is certainly not meant to be spoken of uh, or recognized, even in passing, as an independent country. This is a matter of of not inconsiderable sensitivity to a lot of people in China, certainly the Chinese government. And so when John Cena said that Taiwan would be the first country to see Fast and Furious 9, it wasn't that they were jealous. <laughs> it wasn't that the CCP was jealous that they got to see the movie first. It was that Taiwan. Oh, maybe a little bit. Maybe. A little. I mean, Come they on. could. Let's maybe, be honest you know, here. That, yeah. Let's I, be real. You know. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> what? You get to see John Cena and The Rock before we yeah. do? No, it was the country uh, remark. It was the country. If he had said territory, if he had said region. Markets. Audience. Market, mark, yeah, if he had said market, audience. I talk about markets a lot, right? Yep. And because just to avoid that, and and right. you, you see this too with a lot of companies, a lot of companies that that I work with over at Nimsy, is um, you know like how do I how do I how do I like internationalize this in a way that's not going to upset anybody, right? right. And you've right. seen in the last few years, last five years, um, this big push to like get rid of flags. Mm -hmm. For yes. example, yeah. it, because yeah. a lot of times when you go to a, a, a website, the language drop down it just has a list of flags. So if you yep. speak English, you pick the American flag. But that's right. completely lame for people in Absolutely. New Zealand. Right. Uh -huh. And 100%. yeah, so this is kind of kind of related to that. Um, I, I'm interested here because John Cena has a following in China. He does. Yeah, Absolutely. He has a big following of fight. He's he's learned Mandarin so he can and communicate. That's the thing, right? Back in the day, like he was kind of taking it on himself to push the WWE into the Chinese market. Yeah. Um, and like he believed in that mission so much that he actually he, he learned Chinese. Yeah. Right. Which is awesome. You know, so it is. take that Zuckerberg. Right. <laughs> Meat, meatheads can learn languages, too. Um <laughs> No, he's he's walked his talk. He has Absolutely. like sixty thousand followers on mm -hmm. Weibo, I think, mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. Um, sorry, I'm stealing your thunder here. Though. No, 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 uh, no, no talk to, Keep not going, keep going. People don't know what happened yet. Well, um, so it, it, what you said was it wasn't stealing my thunder at all. It was a perfect segue because what happened was, of course, the government of China got very upset that he referred to Taiwan as a country. So John Cena took to his Weibo account to apologize to China in Mandarin. And without he he only very obliquely referred to the incident that caused all the consternation, but he apologized in Mandarin about uh, you know offending he, that he he maybe spoke too quickly or spoke inelegantly. He didn't want to offend everybody. Uh, I think he says something about he loves China. Well, uh, let, let's let's watch it. 
can we? Because I actually, before this broadcast, I I actually went into here and found it. And it was hard because I couldn't... Hold on. Hold on there, John. Um, It was hard because I couldn't... um, Trying to find information on this, like trying to find information on anything these days. I went to a news article. And by the way, all of the links we're going to post in somewhere. So we we have sources. We will post those. This is a new thing, so we're not really sure on the logistics yet. But... um, where was I going with this? Uh, I don't know where I was going with this. Let's. Oh, all of the articles that I was reading is like, oh, the links, the citations, the sources, like links to other articles. And it became this circle, circle of citations <laughs> where it's like I eventually ended up at back at an original article. And that I didn't. But all right, without further ado here. Uh information. Uh information so that is, um, I don't speak Chinese, but hey, if you're watching this and you speak Chinese, whoa, okay, autoplay. If you're watching this um, and you speak Chinese, then um, go ahead and leave a comment. Um, let us know. What, what is he talking about, like, specifically? So I, I've read the translations, though, and I've also read the articles that people are talking about, John. Um... Almost, you know, the idea that it's like, oh, he was pressured into this. He uh-huh. was forced into this um, because Fast and the Furious gets a third of its revenue from the Chinese market. Right, right. At, le- at least, right? The, the, these are the statistics. So they have a huge market over there. And I, it, I've been reading a lot of stuff that accuses him of, you know, like the studio putting a gun to his head and saying, you better go grovel right. before the Chinese, the glorious Chinese people, right? And kind of taking the cynical approach to it. And, but this is why I wanted to play the actual video mm-hmm. because I don't speak Chinese, mm-hmm. but that looked like a genuine statement. To me, and yeah, who am I, right? Like, uh, who am I to g- gauge whether someone's genuine? But I, my personal opinion is, it, it seems to me like this is a man who has a relationship with his audience, yes, and yes. is making a heartfelt apology for that. And mm-hmm. as we've discussed in past uh, sessions in, in closed groups, not on live streams, um, this is how to do it when in unintentionally offending a people, culture, uh-huh. place, market is. You have to be genuine because uh-huh. if if the statement is not genuine, if it's not coming from a place, people will read into that a whole lot. Right. Absolutely. No, it's got to be authentic. You're 100% right about that. It's There's something that I find particularly interesting about this. Not it, I, Yes, the language that he – like the fact that he's speaking Mandarin to do it, uh, which I think is really 
important because he it, it clearly shows that he has a consciousness of his audience, right? But I think the, some of the words he chose were interesting as well. Now, my Mandarin isn't fantastic. I'm competent in it, but I'm not really, really great. Um, People, help us in the comments. Help us in the comments. <laughs> Chinese speakers, it's for you. He keeps saying, you know, 我很爱中国,我很爱中国人. I really love China. I really love the Chinese people. Oh. And it, it, to me, that's interesting because he's in his apology, because he talks about how he had been on a lot of press tours and, and maybe he was getting a little punchy, I think, sort of the implication there. And he said, you know, I made a mistake. And then he talks about how much he loves China and he loves the Chinese people. Now, if you have no context for this at all, you might even be lead, led to think that he said something that was maybe kind of racist or maybe a little offensive toward Chinese people as a group, almost like you, you could maybe well, the argument of... could be made. Yeah, the argument could be made by the Chinese uh, Chinese person that he is offending them as a group. Right. He's right. not recognizing their sovereignty. Right. Exactly. He could you could make the argument that that it was sort of uh, uh not racist necessarily, but almost like an ethnic faux pas yeah. um, that he had made. And and it's interesting because if if we look at it from that angle, then we're almost then we're saying that sort of the Chinese view sort of separates Chinese people from or I'm sorry, Taiwan, Taiwanese people mm. from China. Because if he's saying I love the Ch if if China and Taiwan are a a coextensive unit, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm essentially ethnically um and he says i love the chinese people then by in, by definition he has to be saying that he loves taiwan the taiwanese people is that the perception taiwan. though in taiwan well, would they feel oh, the same way in taiwan <laughs> oh well, no, yeah no, because no. there's two there's multiple people at this party right they, oh absolutely in taiwan that's definitely not the perception um you know well you they already had oh maybe that's Wow, this is cynical. But maybe <laughs> this is why they released in Taiwan early. Maybe this was maybe this was the plan. Okay, guys, we're gonna re release in Taiwan early. All of the fans are gonna go see it. Then I'm gonna say something to offend them because we've already got their money. I I, I doubt it. Barn already. I doubt it. No, but I no, I mean you could you could it, as a very cynical plan. Okay, I could see <laughs> I could see that happening. But, and, and so this is, here's, here's the interesting thing, because yes, Taiwan and mainland China are joined by language, right? They're right. both Mandarin speaking places. And I say that with an enormous amount, like if I could have pop-up bubbles around me, I would have an enormous amount of caveats around it. One looking at Ch China, there are many languages in China. Some of them are, you know, Han languages, some of them aren't. So there's, there's all that. To look at then looking at taiwan there are the aboriginal languages of taiwan a lot of them are austronesian it you know so they're not mandarin speaking necessarily either so neither mainland china nor taiwan are uniformly mandarin speaking uh places like first we have to get that but that sort of functions as the lingua franca of the sure. general area sure, sure. um but in taiwan the view of taiwan as an ethnically and occasionally linguistically, absolutely politically distinct entity holds a lot of power. And, and, and I'm not saying that in either place, these views are 100%, you know, it, it's not monolithic, of course, in either place. 
but I have talked to people from mainland China who are adamant that there is, you know, the, it's sort of basically a recitation of the one China policy that there is one China of which Taiwan is a part, um, no less a part of China than uh, Rhode Island is a part of sure. the United States or right. Hawaii is a part of the United States. Maybe that's the better one, Hawaii, right? It's an island, different cultural background, but absolutely part of the United States. And then the Taiwanese view, which is that, mm, yeah, not really so much. Yeah, there's like, yeah, we'll let you think that. Right. 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 It, yeah. It's kind of this don't ask, don't tell kind mm -hmm. of weird situation going on over there. Right. But I... I want to keep going here. China and friends. China I, this, and this sounds China like an friends. animated Saturday morning TV show. It uh, really does, doesn't it? With China being China the main character. and friends, yes. But we're actually so, talking about friends. We're actually, yes, actually the talking show. about friends, the, the show. show. Yeah. The, uh, yes, the show that aired from 1994 to 2004 in the United States. One of the biggest American sitcoms of all time. And they had a reunion special. It was released on HBO Max here in the United States uh, to quite a bit of fanfare and acclaim. I've, I've watched it myself. I was a big Friends fan, so yeah, I watched it too. But the Friends reunion special was not just a... It wasn't an episode of Friends set 20 years later. It was the cast getting together to talk about their memories of being on the show. And it featured cameos from a lot of celebrities. Um who wanted to basically wanted to, share what the show meant to them, yeah, right? wanted to steal so, their thunder. Pretty much, yeah. To use a friend's reference. <laughs> Those of you that get that respect. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say something about Pivot, but I'm like, no, that's too <laughs> uh, So among we? the celebrities, because right. they were trying to show sort of the global appeal. The, Lady show, Gaga, right? Justin Bieber, and K-pop group BTS, just for those BTS. of you that can't read this screen. Yes. Yes, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, and BTS. So, and, and BTS is popular all over the world because K-pop is such a cultural phenomenon. Like, it's such a force right now, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. That's a side conversation about how K-pop kind of got really popular in Japan and then all of a sudden that, it's popular another, in the West. That's another episode here. Oh, that's a whole, yeah, that's, that's five other episodes right that. there. But Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, and BTS, among many others, were on the Friends reunion. A lot of people in China have watched Friends as well. However, the Chinese government has some problems with some of those guests that were on the show. Lady Gaga, because Lady Gaga met with the uh, Dalai Lama mm. at one point. It was 2000... Um, That's a no-no. Yeah, 2016, I believe. That's a no-no. That's a no-no. Why is that a no-no? Because Tibet uh, considers itself to be not a part of China, to be... And it's called the... Within China is called the Tibet Autonomous Region, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but Tibet considers itself an independent country. It does have, I mean, there is such a thing as a Tibetan language, Tibetan culture. Like, you know, it, it is ethnically, linguistically a distinct place. China considers it to be part of China, Tibet, to the target audience. Um, and I say that because I have talked to people who are from countries where a particular uh, piece of media or a particular piece of information was censored. And a lot of times they didn't even know that it was censored. It wasn't something that was really obvious well, to them. It was only that's the when thing they... about censorship, right? Is if you don't, if you're getting information, if you're not, uh -huh. how do right. I say? If you don't know what you don't know, then 
And if you trust the sources of information that you do have, uh-huh. then you're not really exposing yourself to new ideas. Right. You're not Precisely. really getting out there. Precisely. Yeah. And if you don't, I think you said it perfectly. You know, if you don't, if you don't know what you don't know, well, then you don't feel like you're missing anything. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, and, and the, the best, and I use that word, not in the, the moral sense, but in a really sort of pragmatic technical sense, the most, let me say it this way, the most effective censorship is not going to be noticeable to the people who are being to the people who are receiving the censored information, mm, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. It's just going to feel like, oh, that's just what the information is. There's not necessarily any more or less uh, to it. So that was why Lady Gaga got, uh, you know, axed out of it, which again, I just, I would be really interested to see that cut because that whole scene was essentially a duet of Lisa Kudrow and Lady Gaga. So uh, I don't know. So probably not much happening. Probably <laughs> After not. that they got cut, cut out. The whole they might have just cut the whole yeah. thing out. Yeah. So Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber. Justin Bieber. And this one, this is tricky. So Justin Bieber in 2014, I believe it was, he went to Japan and he posted a photo from the Yasukuni Shrine in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Why would that bother China? You wonder. Like, this is over in Japan. It's not a disputed territory. China recognizes that Japan is an independent nation. What's the issue? Here's the issue. The Japan had what was called, and this is something I can speak to with some authority because I, in a former life, I was a Japanese translator. I went to school there. So I, I know, I know what's talked about there before Japan, uh, before World War II and, and during World War II, and then it ended with the end of World War II and Japan's defeat. Japan, what what was very euphemistically called in English, I think it translates to something like the greater East Asian co-prosperity sphere, (laughs) the greater East English co-prosperity sphere, which is that is very that 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 sounds fishy, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's too many, there's too many descriptors in there. Yeah, it is because it's basically it was the the and hey, I ain't saying America doesn't do the same stuff. So before you guys, if any, if anyone's actually watching this, um, before you guys get upset, like, yeah, no, yeah. everybody does this. Oh, of course. Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is, yeah, there, the world is surround is filled with glass houses on this one. <laughs> so yeah, let's be real straight about that from the get. But the greater East Asian coast prosperity sphere would be what we would just call in plainer terms, Japan's imperial project um, in Asia, which included the Japanese, uh, invasion and colonization of Manchuria. So the, the, you know, Eastern part of China there included. And anything that Japan does that seems to be a celebration of its early 20th century's activity is looked on with great disdain and suspicion by its neighbors, especially China and Korea. So the Yasukuni Shrine in Tokyo is a shrine that honors the war dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is why it's problematic for China. Now, China might react a little differently than Korea, but believe me, Korea is not thrilled with those things usually when they happen because it's seen as basically glorifying what the Japanese did in, in China, what they did in Indonesia, what they did in, in, um, the Philippines, in Korea, and as most imperial colonial projects are, it was quite brutal. 
it was i'm sure it, yeah it, yeah so that that is the way these things go it doesn't excuse it but it is absolutely the way these things go and now lisa and kudrow so, has to pay the price and now lisa kudrow has to pay the price. oh lady gaga has to pay the price oh well, actually yeah well, lady lisa, gaga lisa made kudrow her bed was fine but it was lady gaga who had to pay the price justin bieber had to pay the price um and, and that's i mean some of those war dead are or justin bieber recognized yeah. war criminals so but, yeah i mean it's you know the difference between a revolutionary and a terrorist right that is, old saying it's yeah for sure for sure so and yeah all right uh, well before i go on and yeah potentially call anybody else a terrorist um <laughs> not my intent let's talk about china and disney and this is because i want to get through the I feel that we yeah. talk about China a lot in these formats, just because there is so much um, there is so much room to um, do better there. Uh -huh. But we have some other stories too. So let's. I want to talk about this. We also talk about Disney a lot. Yes, we, we talk, talk about, about Disney, Disney a lot. lot. So this, yeah. you know, Disney ambassador. What is this? Disney diplomacy. Disney diplomacy. Yeah. Yep. So. What's this? Uh, Disney-owned studio Searchlight, Searchlight uh -huh. pressured the American magazine film, filmmaker to remove a quote from its profile of Chinese director Chloe Zhao's because it was critical of China's authoritarian regime. So, uh -huh. so essentially, this is a filmmaker. This is a Chinese filmmaker who has spoken up publicly against her government or uh -huh. the government where she was comes from, uh -huh. and because of this, she's been pressured um, very. Uh, a magazine has been pressured into changing her bio. Uh -huh. is, am I catching this right? This is essentially, or changing her, changing the profile, uh, you know, removing some quotes from the profile that they did of her. Now, Chloe Zhao is, of course, really, really, she's a rising star right now, right? Because she won the the Oscar for Nomadland. Okay. Uh, she's she's heralded as being an absolutely brilliant director, and. The issue here, at least the issue from the, the Chinese government's point of view, is that she, she's from China. She doesn't live there anymore. She she left China intentionally, um, or at least her well, parents' intention. Yeah. Um, and she was comparing her experience as a child under the Chinese Communist Party to the experience of uh, Native Americans on, I think it was the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Okay. And saying that the, essentially there were points of contact between those two experiences. Um, you know, and, and this is something, this is, I feel like, this shouldn't just be a throwaway quote in a profile. This should be something that's like an interview or something like that. Cause I'd really want to see what she was talking about yeah. um, with this. And cause sometimes, you know, people can make offhanded statements or maybe it's not necessarily on offhanded, but they encapsulate a lot of information in a small statement that you really do need to unpack. Well, and then that, that information is open to interpretation by mm -hmm. everybody else. It's open to mistranslation. It's open to mm -hmm. a bunch of different stuff. But the mm -hmm. quote, I'll just read it here. It says, yeah. it goes back to when I was a teenager in China, being in a place where there are lies everywhere. 
You felt like you were never going to be able to get out. A lot of info I received when I was younger was not true, dot, dot, dot. And, of course, this is, I would encourage you to go find the, the full context of the quote. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, that's the quote. Yeah. And, and it, this is... This is interesting because this isn't you know, what we just talked about. And I think it's really important to make this distinction here when we talk about censorship, because there are two types of censorship. There's there's uh, sort of a priori censorship and a posteriori censorship, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, there's yeah. there's that sort of there's this is the 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 former. Now, she said something in her profile. Disney saw it. They're like ah, this is probably going to ruffle some feathers. Let's take it out before it even gets out there. Well, now it's already out there. Um, But you know what I'm saying, though? Like, they were trying to sort of spike it before it even really got legs. The friends situation, that's completely different. They just did it. You know, they probably, they might have been thinking, and and then they decided they didn't care, or, or maybe they weren't even aware of some of the issues here but they were casting Lady Gaga. They were casting BTS. They were casting Justin Bieber. I would imagine the execs at Warner were probably like, yeah, no, we just, these people are famous and they say they like friends. So we want them on here. So it's going to get eyeballs to the show. And then China took it and did what they wanted to do with it, you know, excising different parts of it. And so those are, those are two different things. One can definitely lead to the other. And, you know, it, it, it raises the question of where is the line between censorship and localization, uh-huh. right? Because Absolutely. a part of localization is adapting the content for the local market. And if uh-huh. the content includes stuff that the local market finds offensive, uh-huh. technically that's localization. Right. Right? Exactly. It's not censorship. It's, it's trend creation it's if, right. if you choose to look at it through that lens. Uh-huh. Um Mm-hmm. That lens gets foggy. That lens gets cloudy when the Very. what's being censored has to do with issues um, or at the very least is perceived to be related to issues concerning human rights, concerning p- oppression, marginalized groups, um, exactly. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is – that touches on so – many things because because what you're, i mean you encapsulate it perfectly you know we're talking about oppression we could be talking about marginalized groups we can be talking about i mean really let's look at it this way so we talk about localization right and, and we're usually talking about localizing for a particular region we won't even talk about the political boundaries whether it's a country or you know a non-recognized country or a territory or anything like that we're talking about but we're talking about localizing for a region but when we talk about that region a lot of times, if we're not careful, we're not localizing necessarily for the people who are the people of that region, but the the most powerful voices. Mm. But the people with region. control, the, the people, that people that control, control that region. Right, exactly. Which sometimes is, well, so, it's rarely the people, right? I mean, right, even right. the most democratic of democracies, oh, yeah. right? There's, yeah. there's always gatekeepers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so there's, there's that layer of it to look at as well. And sometimes it can be a thing where it does lead to censorship. Sometimes it can be a thing where, you know, it might, it might seem a little bit more uh, mundane or even kind of harmless. You know, the, the 
um, the example that always comes to my mind, and I, I don't remember all of the names of it in different languages, so I'm, I'm looking, at, looking at it right now, but it's the Sea of Japan. Well, well is it? Uh, well, careful there. Careful there. Exactly. It's the what? Excuse me? Exactly. What body of water are we talking about here? That's precisely. Are we talking about the Sea of Japan? Are we talking about the Eastern Sea? Are we talking? So that is the Maps, body of water. borders, bodies of water. Are, uh-huh. These are, yeah. And and here's when I was going to school. Well, and because and why? For, the, for those that are listening, right? Because these are contested contested areas, just right. as Taiwan is a contested area within China. Um, there are contested areas between China and Japan, right? Um, and that's when we, we start looking at like the South China Sea, the Nine Dash Line. Um, and we have a bunch of resources available if, if yes. you're interested on that. We've talked and, about it to death. <laughs> and it's, it is one of those things where, okay, so you're making, a, let's say you have a map, uh, a map app, a cartar- or cartar- cartography. There we go. I can actually say that word app that wants to compete with Google Maps, right? And you have a map of that area. What are you going to call it? That body of water that's between China, Russia, Korea over here, and Japan over here. Mm-hmm. Do you call it the Eastern Sea? Do you call it the Whaling Sea? Do you call it the Northeastern Sea? Do you call it the Sea of Japan? It depends. It depends. Who- Right. Who do you who do you want this app to be for? Well, and this is localization, right? And this is uh-huh. this is true localization. This isn't. Oh, 100%. We always, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is that we talk about we use the term localization way too liberally, and I find that in the localization industry, that when we use localization nine times out of ten, we're actually talking about translation. Uh-huh. So, but this yeah. this is true localization. Yes. Right here, where you're taking names of places and adapting them to to the right. local places, and this is local. This is localization by force. Too. Like this is regulated localization. Like if yes. you don't get this right, there's going to be problems. Absolutely, absolutely, it, and that it. And I agree with you completely. It is very true. A lot of times when we say localization, what we're really talking about is translation. Right. But this is one of those areas where it's not really because we are. We're talking about the sensitivities that exist in different areas towards what things are called. And if, if you think that we don't see that even intranationally, that you'd be very mistaken because we do, we, where I live currently in Spokane, Washington, we just renamed a whole street because, and I actually agree with the choice to do it, but we renamed a whole street because it was named after somebody who mercilessly slaughtered the indigenous people oh. who lived here yeah, that's probably and and we renamed it to the language in in the language of so it's not even an English oh, so it's word. a native yeah, word. yeah it's a salish that. word now so that that happens even within countries that that is in a way it's a localization issue you had a name that was representative of something very painful to a large group of people and it gets changed yeah so and a lot of folks would call that um, a lot of folks would call that censorship, erasing history, yeah. and you right. know, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, of course. Right. I, right. One thing I noticed, guys, I apologize. Um, 
it doesn't look like the comments are working. So if you're trying to join in the live stream, I can't bring you up on the stream screen here. But please do leave your comments because we'll answer them afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I I always like it when people comment on these things because they'll always say things that I haven't thought of. Well, I always like it when I actually have my stuff working today. And also, this 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 video is broken into two parts now because the stream cut out halfway through. I'll stitch it back together for you guys and re-upload afterwards if you guys are watching along. So. Oh, that's funny. But like let's go. I don't think we're going to be able to get past China today. Man, I, I want to talk about more than China. I know, because I really wanted to talk about the Europa thing, because that is, oh, man. Well, yes. well, we can make a command decision. And let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's jump to. What slide is that? I wanted to talk about. No, I don't want to talk about that. The Europa thing? Europa. Europa, the Nigerian. Oh, okay. Timbuktu's whole. Yeah, yeah, Um Which one was that? Let's just go through here. Uh, nope, this is talking about enclaves. Also enclaves. Sorry, guys. Which is an interesting subject. These are all interesting subjects. They're all interesting subjects, let's be honest. And we will talk about them tomorrow. And, and thank you, Bob, for getting oh, yeah. them all together. Oh, yeah. Thank so, very much, yes, Bob thank Drake. you, Bob Drake. Shout out to Bob for doing all of this research, which we yes. never have time to get all the way yeah, through. Yeah, exactly. So this is your Aruba. I also found it on Instagram, too, if you want to pull up the original. I'm going to do that first because the um, just because this Instagram account is on point. Oh, where did it go? Oh, I guess it's... No, this is my Instagram account now. Let me go back. Is, mm-hmm. is it the uh, Culture Tree? Culture Instagram Tree, account? yeah. Yeah. Here it is. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. yeah, so go check this out. It's um, Culture Tree, Instagram, at Culture Tree. I, I highly recommend it. Um, go check this out. They've got an on-point Instagram here. But, um, all right, introduce this topic. All right, so Timbuktu, which is a British fashion house, decided, well, it was recently revealed. I Wait a second. Timbuktu is a fashion house? <laughs> Yes, it's a British. I thought it was a made-up word that definitely <laughs> isn't a real place that exists with real people living in it. Definitely Tell me more about a... this fashion house called Timbuktu. Yes, because it's definitely not a real place with real people that are living in it. It definitely is not uh, a place that was known as being a a crossroads of training of uh, trading and learning and education in the Malian Empire. Jeez. No, no, no. It's a. Uh, <clears throat> a british fashion house it's a british fashion and, house. Yeah, and it was recently revealed that i mean and in the in the oh well of course we could have seen this coming category because of their name uh that in 2015 right. well they their tried name, and their ignorance around their name okay so go 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 no no i know i know Inter- believe me keep going keep going in 2015 they decided that they were going to try and trademark the name yoruba which is the name of an ethnicity and a language uh, in Nigeria, among other places, but I think the largest concentration is in Nigeria. Uh, they decided that they were going to try and trademark it for, and I need to, I'm trying to remember what it was exactly that they were going to trademark it for. I think they wanted to have a line of, of some, like a specific line of like jackets or something. That were going to be called Yoruba. I'll pull up the article here. Yeah. Sorry, I'll get this out of the no, way. No, no, I'm glad. I'll, I'll try to find the original source. Yeah. Um. And uh, apparently, on their, <laughs> at one point, on their website, they said Timbuktu is a fictional place. 
yeah. which would be new. Well, okay, so people. so here's the here's the background to that is yeah, Timbuktu in at least I know American English has been kind of turned into this, you know, fictional place that was like, right. oh my gosh, that's in Timbuktu. Yeah. It means it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. Right. It means it's exactly. a long ways away. It's isolated. It's uh -huh. slang. Uh, uh -huh. You could call it racist slang or uh, placist slang. I don't know how if you're racisting into city or something, but um, that that is what it is. So that's the context for right. why they think it's a fictional place. Yes, it is not very much not a fictional place. Uh, in medieval times, it was the center of trade and learning. Uh, for that part, I believe it was the Malian Empire in West Africa. At that time, there was a university there. There was an enormous library there. In fact, there's been a lot of work in recent years to try and take some of the texts that are from the ancient university in Timbuktu and digitize them because, of course, the, the pages are so old and fragile that they're not really going to survive probably that much longer outside of climate-controlled environments. Um, so digitizing a lot of the work that's found there in, in many languages, which of course is going to happen if you're the center of a bunch of trade routes. So Timbuktu is a, a very linguistically, ethnically, culturally rich region. It is not by any stretch of the imagination a fictional place. Um, but yeah, apparently the Timbuktu clothing brand decided that they were going to treat it as a figment of, of cultural imagination. And they tried to trademark the word Yoruba, which is problematic on several levels. I mean, obviously, you can't trademark the name of an ethnicity, right? Like you, you, in other words, you can't trademark the word Japanese, right? But and, and that just seems self-evident. Well, of course you can't. Like, we don't really need to go into the reasons why you can't. I think. The really instructive way to look at this, this is, you know, what I would do back in my former life as a professor. If a student said something that was particularly challenging or particularly problematic or whatever, I would never go on the attack, but I would just ask them, why do you think that way? What is the thought process that leads you to say this thing? or to do this thing or express this. I would get, and guessing is dangerous, but I would guess it's simple ignorance. Uh-huh. Yeah. And because yeah. the reason I say that is because they're, they're named their company Timbuktu. Right. Right. So, and no one names their company intentionally trying to be, to offend an entire people. No. Right. No. It just doesn't happen. No. So I, w I would chalk it up to ignorance, which... Uh -huh. By the way, shameless plug, Nimsy Insights provides geocultural and <laughs> geopolitical consulting. Contact info at nimsy.com. But, um, yeah, I, whether you use Nimsy or whether there's other great uh, geocultural consultants mm -hmm. out there, like find someone who knows the markets, right? If, exactly. And exactly. then appropriate it. <laughs> it's... But here, here's a question for you, Michael, because I'm Go reading ahead. this Instagram post. And uh -huh. this Instagram post is really... So it's from Culture Tree. And it's basically saying this is how it came about is they realized it was uh, trademarked because these people tried to trademark the name Yoruba, Yoruba, I'm pronouncing it horribly, it's stars, Yoruba stars. Uh -huh. um, 
and it's for like was it was a soccer team or for some children's thing, yeah. right? Because they call themselves the Yoruba Stars, right. and, which is awesome. That's cute. That's adorable. And then yeah. through that process, they realized, oh, um, that Yoruba has already been trademarked because the, mm-hmm. the application was denied because mm-hmm. it was too similar to an existing trademark, which was Yoruba. Mm-hmm. So it's like no one even realized that this, this was trademarked, right? Right. But my right. question to you is – Yoruba stars, is that something that's trademarkable? I mean, copyright law, at least in the United States, copyright law, if I am... No, I'm talking more just like from a cultural perspective. From a cultural perspective? I'm not talking about legal perspective, right? Because that's... I don't don't see how that could be trademarkable. Yeah, because it's the same thing as Yoruba, but it's adding another word to it. It's just adding another word to it. Like, it's it's Yoruba acting as the modifier. Uh, and then the modified is the star, yeah. right? So it's just, it's it's like the only way, the only way I could see that is if you say, for example, a sports team, right? To, to go with this example, um, the Seattle Seahawks, I'll say, is Seattle Seahawks trademarkable or uh, LA Rams? I don't know. Ask the descendants of Chief Seattle. Oh, my comments are working. Look at that. Oh, what do you know? Lovely. However, I can't read it from here. But yeah, I mean, it's Seattle Seahawks, Chief Seattle. Uh Uh But I I don't know the tribe. I'm sorry. Um, But it's, yeah, that's an indigenous name in and of itself, right? It is. It is. And so is that, is that trademarkable? Mm, Not entirely sure that it is. And it, it, so, go, it goes back to this age-old question of who owns culture, who owns uh-huh. language. We talked uh-huh. about this last time, I think, with the Maori language, uh-huh. the folks right. that uh-huh. were um, vehemently protecting their language and protecting it from other people exploiting it and making money off uh-huh. of it and uh-huh. um, all of that stuff. And right. it's kind of like this. It's other people making money off of a culture's name or a culture's right. Absolutely. creation. And the, the question that I would want to ask is what made it so that you thought Timbuktu is fictional? What made it so that you didn't realize Yoruba are, a, a, that's 30, it's about 35 million people yeah. in that ethnic. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm serious. When I say what made it to you think that it's um, a fictional place, I, I'm serious, Bugs Bunny. Like Looney Tunes, I, yeah. I think, because like I think they're they're placing Timbuktu in the mm-hmm. same category as Acme. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm no, dead I, serious. I, I'm, I don't think I'm there's malintent true. here. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so. Either. And that that's the thing. It's really, are there people who have ill intent? Are there people who actually are just? rabidly racist in the world yes there are i I think that's undeniable is that where everybody is coming from when they make a misstep of course not and in this case i really think it is it's they had only heard the term as sort of a shorthand for some exotic place way out of the way right right um and they probably had heard of yoruba and had some vague idea that it was connected to this thing that they wanted to be a part of and maybe kind of appropriated or write its coattails or whatever, but they didn't have any real deep understanding of it. So I don't, you know, I doubt that there was any ill intent. 
a massive amount of ignorance. I would even argue that there was probably some ignorance that they shouldn't have, that they did have enough information to not be ignorant. Well, but, in this day and age, there's no excuse, right? Yeah, um, right ignorance exactly. is not a great excuse in this day yeah, and age. Yeah, it's really, really, it, yeah, has a very, you can't get much mileage out of it. But I think one of the deeper questions here then becomes, just sort of going on what you're saying, why? Why were you ignorant? The information is out there. Why did your understanding of, of the world outside of your bubble stop at what Bugs Bunny has told you about right. places? Right. You know, that there's something to deal with there. There's something to look at there, I think. Um, and that's, I mean, you know, in, in education, that's what we do all the time. Okay, this is where this this is the amount of knowledge that you have right now this is the box that you're in right now why when you maybe have the chance to have a slightly larger box slightly expanded view why didn't you take what stopped you from taking that opportunity right and then i think you know then we can get into some really interesting discussions about what's considered important to learn about and what's not and, you know what to prioritize because everyone's busy. Exactly. Everyone's busy. But and yeah, hundred percent. Everyone's busy, but then again, not everyone's trying to steal names and trademark them. <laughs> so, exactly. Well, with that, guys, and here's the um, okafrica.com is one of the sources um, that we listed for this. So mm -hmm. go ahead and check them out. But Michael, I I I gotta go. I got a meeting starting in five minutes. Well, in that case, I think that means that uh, we're wrapping up the show. But thank you, as always. And thank for... you, Marla, Marjoline, for yes. jumping in the comments there, supporting us. Too, it looks like. She says, welcome uh, back. I, I would go to the comments screen, but last time I tried to do that, it shut the screen stream down and we had to oh, restart it. So okay. that's, well, it, it... that's what happened. Okay, so it sounds like well, hey, we're almost done, so let's go check out that comment scene. We got nothing to lose here. Yeah, and if it cuts off the stream, so what? Yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mar Oh, and Bob. Hi, Bob. Like American hey, Bob. Idol. Like American Idol. Com combining sort of the name of a of an ethnic or regional or national group with just a random noun. Yeah. And that's actually, I mean, there's a whole linguistic conversation we could get into about that, which would be another another hour. time another, another time, time. The, there's always going to be leftover stuff to talk about that's just what we have to resign ourselves to there is so with that guys thank you very much for those of you that have joined us here today uh, here. michael play us out all right well thank you everybody for joining us join us again in another couple of weeks we hope inshallah to talk about the intersection of language, business, politics, technology, and culture. Of course, we'll have way more talk to talk about than we have time to talk about it, but we hope to see you here.